Cosmic Frequency, Tuning into the Awakened Heart. This program is brought to you by Prana Luz Conscious Living. My name is Ana Lu and I am the founder of Prana Luz and host for the Cosmic Frequency Podcasts. Our podcasts focus on three main pillars, spirituality and social and environmental awareness. Our topic today is Yotish, Vedic Astrology, and our guest is D.C. Lero. D.C. Christian Lero is originally from Norway and has spent most of his life abroad, mostly in Asia and Bali. He started studying Vedic texts as a young teenager in Norway. Driven by a deepest thirst for Indian philosophy and yoga, he moved to the United States in his early 20s to study Ayurveda with Dr. Vasant Ladd at the Ayurvedic Institute. It was there he met Hartefo, who later became his Yotish teacher for over a decade. The last four years, TC has been a student under Pandit Sanjat Rat from a traditional family lineage of astrologers from Puri, Orissa. Dizzy Lero bridges in his Western upbringing and the doctrine of Indian philosophy to offer a unique approach to deliver chart readings with his inspections. Hello, Shivananda. It's a pleasure to have this conversation with you today. How are you? I'm very good. How are you? Very well. Thank you. Super excited to talk to you um, today about Yotish. So um, thank you so much again for being here. I would love to perhaps begin with a little bit of what it is for the listeners who are not so familiarized with this topic and uh, perhaps also how did you come across his teachings in your personal spiritual path. Thank you. Jyotisha, or how it's more pronounced in modern India, Jyotish. Um, it's a big, vast subject. I think the easiest way to give a quick translation is to call it Vedic astrology. And many people now have heard about Veda or Vedic, and they understand it's some kind of knowledge that comes from India. Um, so Vedic astrology is maybe a modern translation. I think it started maybe in the 70s when some Indian astrologers came over to America and they were introducing Jyotisha. And um, while Jyotish is much more than just astrology, uh, it is what's used most of the time. But Jyotisha in and of itself is actually a very old science that belongs to the Vedas. It's one of the limbs. It's one of the things one needs to understand in order to follow the Vedas, the ancient teachings from India. And astronomy is part of it, and it's not seen as anything different. It's the same science of studying astronomy and astrology. It's not two different things like we see in the West. There's a big you know, difference between what they call astronomy as pure, objective, NASA-certified, um, most of those people are into that. They don't believe maybe in astrology. And I will even say some of the Western mm -hmm. astrologers might not actually know so much about astronomy. Uh, 
So Jyotisha mm-hmm. is a subject that deals with um, light. In fact, the very term Jyotisha is Jyotir means light, and Isha can be seen as a lord or a ruler. So the the lords of light, or maybe more modern way of saying it, the science, the study of light, and that extends from study of astronomy, study the stars, study the planets, study the constellations, and also study the inner light that we carry, that we have um, light that's on the inside. So it's a it's a study from the most we can say objective um, astronomy science into the most subjective intuition and internal even dreams because isn't that a form of light that we have on the inner reality but to make it Mm -hmm. simple Vedic astrology Indian Mm -hmm. astrology sometimes called even Hindu astrology Um, so Indian astrology Vedic astrology is um, what we can say is the most commonly used form of Jyotisha is the astrology of India Perfect. My, Thank you. Yeah. So my journey into it is it's a long journey. I think I started, I guess, even before teenage years. I was, you know, regular kid into skateboarding and this stuff, and very, very much influenced by American skateboarding culture and the music, the punk rock scene, and later on, the straight edge punk rock uh, was part of what I used to listen to. Like, started off maybe with, you know, the bit of the rebel skateboarding punk rock was against society. And and mm-hmm. later on, from the from the lyrics, I was hearing that, like, the straight edge music, still very, like, hardcore punk rock scene, but very positive, very life-affirming uh, lyrics and music that had a message that had some meaning behind it. And... Carrying on with that, I later found um, what's called Krishna core. Krishna core is a, a genre of hardcore music that uh, was specific to people who got into Hinduism. And, you know, we probably heard about the Hare Krishnas, the ISKCON, mm-hmm. ISKCON movement all around the world. So there were, you know, these mm-hmm. skateboarders, these punk rock kids who got into the mystical side of Hindu, Indian, spiritual, and they started to develop music that even had mantras. So when I first wow. heard that, I was like, "Wow, this is this is different. This is strange." And uh, and then for me, the music was was about the meaning. It was about the um, the message that was carried in those songs. And I never heard such teachings. Actually, they would speak about big stuff, about life and about the universe, and they would actually. Uh, bring in even the chants into the music. So that got me started. And later on, of course, like many people, I would run into these Hare Krishnas. They were, you know, downtown, they were chanting. And I would be like, wow, those are those those people. And I would get interested. I would read their material and um, followed into becoming a vegetarian. I would hang out at their restaurants. And uh, later on, I would go for their Bhagavad Gita classes on Sundays. And this was, you know, I was a young teenager. It was uh, early 90s, and, and middle 90s. And this was in, in, in Norway? Because you're originally from yeah. there, right? Yeah, I grew up in oh, Norway. Wow. So this was, there was not, in, back in the 90s, early 90s, there was really not much uh, available. But the Hare Krishnas, they had gatherings. And I got deeper involved. And there was another tradition called Ananda Margen. They were actually um, also back in Norway, but um, maybe not as famous. Or they had a small little 
center where they would teach yoga and I got uh, initiated into very old, uh, you know, with mantra, with yantra, with tantra. They had actually very profound yoga teacher trainings, very classical. And um, I would spend time between those two. I never really, I wouldn't say I joined and became Hare Krishna or Nanda Marga, but I was very interested in the knowledge and um, and that was my initial point into yoga, Ayurveda and mantras and these teachings. And I kind of exhausted, there was not much in Norway, so I exhausted the possibilities. There was, um, no, you know, back in the day, there was no yoga studio, there was nothing like that. I imported books on Ayurveda and, and uh, then I found that there was a center in America. So I was starting to mm -hmm. travel and uh, first in, I think it was 97 was the first time to the States and that opened up many doors. But then in 99 is when I really moved to the States to study with Dr. Vasantlad in Albuquerque, New Mexico at the Ayurvedic Institute. And that was a profound change in my life. That was uh, what opened the doors to so many other uh, schools and other teachers. And that's where I found Vedic Astrology Jyotish. I was in, yeah, back in 99. And later on, Dr. Tartifo, he was um, coming there to give readings and lectures. And later on, I think it was maybe 2001, 2002, then I started to study more formally with him for yeah, over a decade. For the last, I guess, four or five years now, I've been more involved with uh, Pandit Sanjay Rath, who comes from a very traditional Indian um, astrology family. So it's been a long journey. Yes, and, and, uh, and that's why I wanted to interview you because I took one of your workshops in, in Ubud and uh, I know you're super passionate about philosophy and philosophy and you go really deep into the topics and of course, you know, one can, can tell just by having a small conversation with you that you have studied so much and that you've been um, so deep into these teachings. That's why it's fascinating to have this conversation with you. <laughs> So thank you for sharing. My pleasure. This is my pleasure to share. It is still a passion and it's a never-ending study for me. Thank you. And um, perhaps, uh, um, I mean, some of us that are involved in the, in the yoga field or the mantra chanting may be so a bit more familiarized with, with the Vedas, right? But perhaps it would be nice uh, if you could just give us a little background because you mentioned that, that these um, teachings are also one of the parts or that come from the Vedas as well that are incorporated incorporated somehow there so there is a, a relationship right that they used to have by then to astrology so maybe can you tell a little bit more about that yeah um, I think you're right that more and more people are getting familiar with like the term Veda and especially in the West the openings into first the yoga and then and now I think Ayurveda has become very popular. So Ayurveda has that term in it, right? It's Ayu and Veda, and together they become Ayurveda. Ayu means life and Veda is knowledge. But the Vedas are even more profound. They are considered to be the oldest living, still chanted, still breathing, still used uh, texts or knowledge that we have. There are some indications of Babylonian or Egyptian texts that they say might be older than the Vedas, but the, the Vedas are still in use, they're still living. Even though Sanskrit, and there's different forms of Sanskrit, um, but these chants, they're still practiced and different families in India are holding this 
sacred knowledge together. So Veda is the wisdom, we could say. In uh, European languages, there are many uh, similar words like Vitenskap, which means science. And this, this Viten or Vid means knowledge. So Veda is wisdom and knowledge. And hard to form my first teacher in astrology. He used to say what a culture knows it will name. And it's interesting how you know mm -hmm. we are importing these terms, even guru is something that I think you can find in an English dictionary now. What does guru mean? Well, it's a Sanskrit term, someone with profound knowledge, right? So Veda, guru, and these terms, yoga, Ayurveda, are very specific technical terms that comes from a culture that valid, valued knowledge. And most of this is hard to trace the true origin because they say it is ancient as you know, before time or that the Vedas are not even their eternal knowledge. And it's something that the Rishis heard that they didn't create it, but these Rishis, the sages, the seers, they were opening up to this wisdom that's eternal and the Vedas are flowing through them. So who knows exactly, but there are definitely <laughs> historical uh, records that will point back to, um, what could you say, 3,000, maybe 5,000 years ago that these, this knowledge was existing. Uh, oral tradition will say that it's been, you know, passed down since eternal, um, but there are indications of uh, what should we say, texts or artifacts that point to a culture that is extremely old, thousands of years ago. And this old culture had very deep, very deep, uh, profound knowledge and uh, specific terms, you know, specific terms for mm -hmm. different parts of reality, different parts of nature, including different parts of human nature, internal aspects, deep, you know, deep psychology, we could call it, deep insights into the human condition and definitely yes. insights into nature and that includes the astrology part so there were you know um, astrological sequences combinations patterns that are described that when we use modern day astronomy and we trace back these events that they refer back to would have happened many thousands of, of years ago foundation of what we can see as the more like the modern Hindu, uh, they will refer back to the Vedas as the cornerstone. So the modern yoga scenes, the modern philosophy, the chants that you hear in yoga classes, um, they have their foundation into this um, tradition of the Vedas, which is at least two, three, maybe, you know, four or five thousand years old. Yes, yes. And not to say also like a lot of the religions also uh, derive right from the Vedas. Mm -hmm. like, exactly. Yeah. Thank, thank you, Shivananda. I have personally done my chart a couple of times, long time ago, and then I also did it with you last year, right? Yep. <laughs> so that was a really great reading, by the way. But so what would be the main difference? A lot of people ask this question. So what is the difference between uh, Vedic astrology and uh, the, the Western astrology that we are more used to in, in this side of the world? Yeah, there is a technical difference that many people don't even know actually when they have grown up in western society they might have you know seen in books or magazines or i guess online these days about the sun sign and they read about maybe the sun is in a, a uh, let's say leo 
And most people have some idea about this idea of the zodiac, the star signs that we see uh, in, hor in horoscopes, and they talk about sun is in Aries, sun is in Taurus, right? In Western, mm -hmm. it's not the same as what you see in the sky. So when we go out at night and we look up at the night sky, we see stars. And maybe some people know certain constellations, like the Big Dipper, or if you're in the Southern Hemisphere, the Southern Cross. And maybe even some people know a little bit about you know, astronomy and they see the different constellations. Now, they are actually not the same as the star signs. Even though we use the same language, the same names, there is a difference between Western and Eastern astrology that is quite strange when people start to look into using Vedic astrology 80% of the time they get a different sign, a different constellation. So there's two different zodiacs. One is called tropical, one is sidereal, and one is following the true stars. That's what we call constellation, right? So con is means with mm -hmm. and stellar. Constellation means with stars. And Western use what's called a tropical zodiac, which is based upon the seasons. So they say that every time there is a equinox, and going into the spring equinox, that is when the zodiac starts. So it's not based upon, it's based upon time. It's not based upon the stars. Whereas Eastern, most of Eastern astrology, including like we could say, Taoist astrology and the Chinese and different forms, they use what's called sidereal or the constellation. So we could, to make it simple, we could say they use the space, they use the true placements of what you see in the sky whereas Western use mm -hmm. time. Now, I don't criticize Western. It's not, it's not less. It a lot of it depends upon who's reading it, right? So there's two different systems. Mm -hmm. And I compare it to maybe how you might have seen uh, Indian doctors. They take the pulse. Ayurvedic doctors, they take the pulse. And they have a system where they work with five elements. Now, the Chinese doctor that uses you know, acupuncture and... They also have a system where they have five elements and they will take the pulse, they will diagnose the person, they will say different elements might be high and low and different things are in balance. It's a different system, five different elements. Um, some are the same, like they have fire, they have a wind, but in Indian, they have some elements that are not found in Chinese. It's the same thing with Western astrology, it does work when a person has gone deep into it, they can use it, but it is, in my view, it's mm -hmm. a little bit strange. It's when I see up in the night sky and I see, let's say, Jupiter in Capricorn. I can see the constellation of Capricorn and I can see clearly with my naked eye, there is Jupiter and the stars behind there is Capricorn. And then I go online and I see in Western, they're saying Jupiter is in Aquarius and it doesn't make sense to me. So that's just my personal take. I like to, you know, yeah. what, what I see is what I get. And I will also say that I think that the perspective of using that level of the true stars is um, what we call Svarga. So there's three levels. Uh, and in Western, they use two levels. They use the earth, the sun and the seasons but they don't extend up into the sky uh, of constellations. So from my 
point of view, I consider to be a higher understanding. Having said that, there are amazing Western astrologers who do great things. I don't want to sound like I'm biased. I just have my personal flavor, which is nature. And when I see something and I see Jupiter in Capricorn, the constellation of Capricorn, then I know it's there. So that's my personal take <laughs> on it. Yes, thank you. Thank you for sharing that because I think it's a... Uh nice to give a different different perspective as many people also ask this question you know what is what is the difference i want to mm -hmm. say one more thing that the, a, a big yeah. big difference is the the cultural knowledge that comes behind so the understanding of mm -hmm. life the understanding of karma again it's a term that is sanskrit and we use it in english karma that knowledge is so deep and it goes together with the study of vedic astrology jyotish belongs to the vedic tradition and an understanding of spirituality and the understanding of the functions of nature and therefore the idea of a chart being a personal map of the karma and with Jyotish it comes with the ability to give certain remedies and I think that's very unique in, in, in Eastern, we could say, culture that there are ways of working with one's deepest karma whereas i think in western it becomes a bit limited and more about psychology it's not so much about the ability to actually engage with life the matrix of life and work on what i consider to be deeper than psychology so the mm -hmm. the, the, the foundation of vedas and, and the spirituality and the understanding of the natural law and order uh, i think is not seen as clean and clearly in the Western tradition. Yes, yes, yes. I totally agree because I've had I've had both readings and I have found spiritual like like deeper, just like like you mentioned about the karma, about like my mission, my purpose, like so much deeper in way or other levels like than regular astrology mm -hmm. or Western astrology does. So you mentioned um, it is like a personal map of the karma right and mm -hmm. how did the old uh, ancient tradition used the astrology did they do it for like regular people was it only like limited to certain castes or can you speak a bit more about the background of how the tradition used it and maybe perhaps also how it's used now nowadays yeah so uh, as a limb of the veda jyotisha is considered to be the tool for timekeeping and why was that important? Well, the goal, as far as I understand, is to align to nature. And nature is what we're in, and nature is time, time and space. So in the old days, it was used for calendar and for marking and aligning to certain events where nature, with a, with a placement of these bodies in the sky, would open up certain frequencies, certain energies. Things like new moon and full moon. Those are big markings in space and naturally people would have understanding of the flow of the moon and therefore maybe certain rituals, certain ceremonies, certain methods of aligning to a full and a new moon. I think it's a human nature that we do every year. We make New Year's resolutions. But uh, one of my teachers used to say that, unfortunately, the Gregorian calendar is not really aligned to nature. So sometimes it's, mm -hmm. it's harder to catch the wave of a new year when we're just following a calendar that is not true to the full cycles. So like, cycles, yeah. Yeah, it's so like a, a solar and lunar calendar, like Chinese calendar. 
they start the new year slightly yes. different, right? And that's said to be more closely connected to nature. So the origin was to align to nature and specifically for communities, for the society to use these markings of certain holidays, to do the rituals, to make sure that they are participating in life. Later on, um, it becomes the, the called Jataka, the, the personal chart. That can also be done. So that was maybe in all this used a bit more for the royalty, for the, the leaders to help the leaders to align and therefore the leaders could you know align um, and protect in the culture or protect the society the regular people i don't think had access so much as we have in this day and age to that everyone can go mm -hmm. online and they can get you know um, the the computation the calculation of a chart is actually a mathematical skill that some of uh, like my the grandfathers of some of my teachers they would do this in their heads they had such a deep, you know, mathematical background that they could calculate astronomy in their head and they could you know, sit there and make the chart. I've seen this done in, in, in India. There are some old astrologers, they don't use computers and it might take them a few hours. In fact, one astrologer, he said, uh, okay, come back in two days. And he's going through all the calculations <laughs> by hand and I show up and he's done what my computer can do in, you know, 10 seconds. He's done that <laughs> by hand for hours and hours. So. It's a skill that um, is the second. There's the first one is observations. That's pure astronomy. Then there's calculation. The third level of Jyotisha is what we call the personal charge. And that is what comes down in this day and age. We are all interested in our personal karma. So um, Vedic astrology in this day and age is, especially in the West, it's more about the personal chart. But in India, they still follow a solar lunar calendar called Panchanga and all the rituals and marriage dates and all kinds of holidays. Here in Bali too, there are certain days when you can see the whole village is coming together and it's the, the moon is aligning, it's a celebration, it's, an, it's a ritual, it's a prayer. And then there are other days when you're not allowed to do things like going out. Uh, once, one, mm -hmm. once a year in Bali, there is a day where the whole island shuts down. Uh, it's a specific day for a new year and in India too these is old calendars that are in my view a bit more intelligent than the modern Gregorian calendar they are following natural cycles of the sun and moon the origin of the Gregorian calendar I believe they did their best we can see that there is a cycle of the year that starts somewhat with the new year but have you ever thought about September, October, November, December. What they mm -hmm. actually mean if you speak Spanish or French, then September, October, November, December, it sounds very similar to the numbers of seven, eight, seven, eight nine, nine, ten. ten. Right? Yeah, the, the mm -hmm. de decimal system. So December, mm -hmm. December and deci as in ten. It used to be a calendar with 10 months. They missed a little bit of nature. Uh, they missed two yeah. months. And it was only later that it was corrected. And then we had the emperors of uh, Julius and August that came in. And we have now 12 months. And why do we have that? Well, the average, every 2.7 uh, years, there's a difference. But on an average, there is 12 lunar cycles. So 12 months in a year, and we have 12 months. But there are other times when we get um, an extra month. So 
nature is different than our modern calendar, but there are older calendars that uh, were in place thousands of years ago, and they're still being used in old cultures like Indian culture. Jyotisha is still used for for timekeeping in India and and planning certain events, when to start a new business, when to get married, when to move into a new home. All these things can be done in alignment with greater nature. For most Westerners, Mm -hmm. it's about how to align themselves with greater nature by using a birth chart. Thank you for clarifying that. I think it definitely changes uh, a lot of people's perspectives, like how we can connect deeper with the cycles of nature, which, as you mentioned, a lot of our ancient cultures had it. Mm-hmm. I personally have the, the opportunity to study at some point in my life with the Mayan culture, and I and I learned how to do their horoscopes. And um, and they had you know a similar concept, you know, in relationship with the cycles and and nature and very deep spiritual it was really really much deeper than you know just knowing about your life or skills it was more about the purpose and the mission on a spiritual mental and physical level which is also very interesting that you know a lot of our cultures did have this this knowledge and we somehow um, lost it but we're still regaining it back right connecting yeah. more with yeah. with that essence i completely agree that the you know the knowledge of ancient cultures it's, it's sometimes strange for for modern people who you know grew up in societies where we believe we are so advanced but then when i look into old text and definitely the mind the, the levels of astronomy that they had the ability to calculate uh, astrological cycles and movements of planets that in some Western um, in Western um, astronomy apparently it was you know 1930s 40s and 50s that they started to get this down but we're talking about thousands of years ago they had methods of um, astronomy that was you know, deep 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 knowledge and and the way that they saw it was not just physical it was that we are indeed in relation we are in connection to something greater and the integration with society and um, culture is, is a very different than the individual psychological based Western. So Western astrology, even though it has um, opening to spirituality, I truly believe that it focuses maybe a bit too much on the individual psychology. And mm-hmm. whereas Eastern culture, old culture, didn't really know or care too much about that it was like here in bali too it's it's not so much about self-realization and development it's not so much about individual uh, accomplishment it's about being part of society being part of the family finding one's place and in in this culture if a business is failing if the marriage is having problems if health is going down well, they might contact a doctor or a counseling, but more likely they go for the rituals, they go for the ceremonies, they go to work with nature. And um, that is something that is very deep in Vedic astrology is that, yes, we can go to a certain extent of developing ourselves, but eventually we are part of nature and to put it into the, again to the context of the Vedas, the understanding of aligning to greater is on three levels like you beautifully opened up with the the ability to connect to 
oneself is important, but then with nature and also with the community. These are mm-hmm. teachings that I think have been lost in a modern Western world. And astrology, unfortunately, in the Western is maybe a bit too individualized because it doesn't have the culture that comes with the Vedic of, um, again, it's it's positioning oneself, aligning oneself with greater, finding that one has the individual karma and accepting that within the community, within the country, within the um, this world is, you know, shared by all of us. And in my view, if we, if everyone woke up in the morning and we recognized that, wow, this, there's this sun, it doesn't have to be, you know, airy fairy astrology, it can be as simple as astronomy. Here's this beautiful solar body that comes up. It's a star that gives us life. And if we remember that we all share that life force and we all align to that, I think we can start to see um, the world in a different light, that we all are dependent upon that source of the sun. Um, I think old ancient cultures had a bit more connection to nature than most of the time now we wake up and we look at the smartphone and we look at our calendar and we look at the things we have to do and we forget our place in nature. Yes, very beautifully said. Thank you for that. I completely agree. And and I was just going to mention that, that on a chart, you can uh, for sure learn way more about yourself and how to align with those elements, you know, how to help us through the understanding of our personal karma, perhaps our collective karma, help us remember, align and connect deeper with that natural order on a daily basis which gives us so much more tools to go through life, right? And a different, and a different, and a deeper level, right? Yeah. Thank you. And uh, speaking just specifically about the charts, like how do you, um, how do you calculate them or how does this map uh, allows us to work deeper? Like tell us a little bit more of, not, not going to give us a class, but just on a general basis, how do you how do you do it, and how can you work deeper with the information that the chart uh, offers to us? Mm-hmm. I think for us Westerners, the self understanding is a big part of our journey, and to find that a chart that was in place from birth is already setting up things like family dynamic, uh, ancestral karma that, uh, like that was one of my profound thing I had with my first reading with um, the person who came, my first teacher. He spoke about things that happened to my mother before I was born from my church, that things that I didn't know about, that later on I checked in with her and, and she confirmed these things. So it puts the mind into a bit more of an open space, I think, to to see that we are embodied in a unique time and space. And there is a science of astrology that can both describe what has happened, and a lot of times when I see a client, the first part of the reading is to go through their journey, to go through the the roads that they've been traveling upon and seeing that there are different seasons and you know i call it an art and a science and i have to be honest i never met any astrologer who can do a hundred percent there is you know room for um 
the unknown, so to speak. And I think any true astrology will say that um, <laughs> there is parts of the chart that we don't see. And But if we can get to a place where we start to predict or confirm certain cycles and a, a, a client is starting to see that someone else can see their history, it creates what a, a narrative, it creates a story that actually puts it maybe a bit of a distance that they don't have to be so identified with it and it creates more of a freedom to see that it was not one's mistake it was not one's fault that these things were we could say destined to happen and it gives a type of freedom to lift oneself out of that old story so that i think is a quite an empowering um open-minded experience. I know it was for me the first time. I'm actually, a, you know, I'm actually a skeptical person. I like to test things. I don't believe it at the first sight. But when several astrologers start to point towards the same thing and they are talking about things that there was no way they could have known about me and, and like I said, even before I was born, these things created an openness in me that, wow, there is something bigger going on here. So. Just by that, it starts to open the mind. Now, further on, it, it definitely is a tool for finding one's blind spots. So again, from you know modern Western, we do a lot of introspection. We look at ourselves, but there is something in our eye. There is an, an optical nerve ending that creates a blind spot in our physical eye. So we extend mm-hmm. we extend that you know understanding to the psyche. There are things of us we don't fully understand that we don't fully see. It might be, you know, uh, something we learn over time. If you know our friends are always saying the same stuff about us, it might be something we need to listen to. But astrology gives us that ability to look deeper into our filters, our way of acting and seeing the world. Um, we all have different personalities. We all have different uh, perspective, and to start to see why it is we see that world in that way and that when i study charge and i see okay here's a person who sees the world through a completely different filter it gives us insight to ourselves but also that everyone else has their own chart there has their own there has they have their own world almost they're looking through a lens and they see the world through that lens and it's almost you know creating reality because they have a filter that is in place and and indeed the self-understanding it helps to open up those filters and we can clean and clear our view um, ideally to find higher expressions of it now when it comes to more of the mystical side then mm-hmm. the, the old world they will talk about curses they will talk about you know uh, gifts and curses that there are places in our lives where things are open and things are flowing and uh, other people might look at us and they see our talents and they see much that we have good luck in certain aspects of life. And then there might be other parts mm-hmm. of life where things are more contracted and it seems like we're just spinning, we're not really getting the momentum. Lady luck, you know, what is our good karma? And seeing that there are places where things are just open and then there are places where things are closed. And and, and also that allows us uh, the areas, like you said, that gives us uh, like a point where we can start working on that through the remedies and the... You know the offerings and the rituals and the mantras and everything that uh... exactly I've, I've seen some kids in india some teenage uh, kids who must have you know done this before because 
they know deeper and deeper levels that uh, I'm still learning into my 40s. I know this 14-year-old kid in India who he's, he's uh, grown up in a family, of course, but even though his family is providing material, they never forced him. But for some reason, he is a child prodigy. And we see that with other kids too, have naturally talents. They are, you know, three or four-year-old. They're picking up some kind of um, instrument or a paintbrush. And it's almost like from a past life, they have an ability. Now, that is mm-hmm. karma. And when we start to get older into the world, we see there might be parts of our life, you know, especially relationship can be, how is it that we end up with the same person or how is it that we end up making the same mistakes? And that is where Vedic astrology offers quite unique methods. One of the strangest but I, I will say most profound remedy that can be done for relationship karma is fasting. And how does that work? It makes no sense in the modern Western world of someone who has a difficult time in a relationship, they can fast once a week. There's specific days for fasting for each person. And by fasting, they start to work on their karma. So this is where, you know, on the psychological level, it Western medicine level, it's not able to see as deeply. But if you think about it, it's been a natural human, cross-cultural, not connected to religion, across continents. There are very clear indications that human beings have done very much the same things to grow, to change, to connect to something deeper. We can call it religion or spirituality, but beyond religion, human impulse of transformation of opening if you look around they've done what pilgrimages holy books uh, saints prayers chants and fasting all different religions they have rituals that include those things and the idea of fasting for changing one's imprint of relationship karma it's very, very um, interesting how deeply the emotional body is connected to food, right? Also, the emotional body needs food. It sometimes is the physical food and sometimes it's experiences that the emotional body needs. Now, when we stop the unconscious patterns of eating, it creates almost like a little shock to the emotional body of what? I'm not going to eat for a whole day. I have to fast. And it brings up things. It, it said that, you know, by fasting, we get more digestive energy and sometimes emotions has to be digested. It's, it's not uncommon that sometimes we feel a bit down and we have some food to, you know, satisfy some emotional needs. Sometimes that's okay, but we can clearly see when emotions are going down and we emotional eat, then most likely we have to deal with those emotions on a different level maybe the physical level. The idea of emotions and connection and relationship and to use alchemy, fasting on specific days for specific planets, for specific teachings, that is, I think, a bridge that I'm uh, very interested in seeing if modern Western scientific skeptical people like me, if they can actually test it as a Mm -hmm. technique, as a ritual, And I I truly believe it's alchemy because by fasting, we start to access the emotions, the energy emotions on a deeper level. And then we can say one's understanding has changed and therefore one's karma will change as well. 
Thank you. Yes, I think it's a it's a beautiful way to say it, and it's a, a process of recognizing and becoming aware of of the, those things that we need to work on. And like you said, like we go the same thing all over again and again, and recognizing where our weak points, you know, what are our strengths. You know, I remember personally when I when I did uh, my chart, I remember the first time I didn't know anything about this, and the and the astrologer he was from from the United States. He would tell me, I think it was, your Saturn is very low, you know, like the number was very low, like you need to strengthen your Saturn or, you know, your moon. Um, anyways, he was like, Mondays, you need to do this. Fridays, you need to do that. Um, Mondays, this specific chant. So he gave me a lot of different remedies and, and the mantras were like a lot of mantras, but also like rituals. And mm-hmm. uh, But I also think it's beautiful for people that are not, even so familiarized because then they can start uh, bringing forth some connection with with the natural uh, order of things and awareness of their own karmic experiences and i think it just gives us a different scope a different lens you know to view our our life you know and, mm-hmm. and what yeah. we've been given and how we can work with that right yeah, it, it gives us that lens, that lens, and indeed, like knowledge is power. And like, there's a saying that the, the fish will be the last one to to recognize the water because we're swimming in it. So we're swimming in this time and space. And every week we go through the same seven days. And you mentioned that on specific days for specific rituals or observations. And many people, you know, we learn the seven days of the week from Sunday, Monday, on, until Saturday, but. Do we actually question why we have seven days and what they mean? And if there's maybe even a meaning behind them and the different energies. So Sunday, moon day, that's pretty obvious. But why is it in English Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday? We get to Saturday and we recognize, okay, so we have Saturn there. And indeed we started with sun and then moon. But what is this Tuesday? What is Wednesday? What is Thursday? What is Friday? For Spanish or French, uh, they might have, you know, an easier access to understand what's behind those names. So, um, Tuesday. Yeah. Right? In Spanish, how do you say Tuesday? Martes. Yeah, so it's pretty easy to recognize that that's Mars, isn't it? And yeah. Tür, in, in Norwegian we say Tirsdag. Tirsdag, there's a day of Tür or Tir. That's the god of war. And indeed, Mars is the god of war. We say martial art and martial law. Ares, Mars, that is a strong, fiery energy. So the idea of a moon day, Monday, and a Tuesday, they will have different energies. And then we go to Wednesday in Spanish. It's... Miércoles. Yeah, and that sounds very close to Mercury, right? So Mercury mm-hmm. is Wednesday. That is Wodin or Odin. Onstag we say in Norwegian, that's for Odin. Again, Mercury and Wednesday go together. We can skip straight to probably people recognize Thursday, Thor, right? The hero in today's action movies, Thor, the Viking god. Um, I will say he's bit different in the old stories compared to I believe it's Marvel superheroes but anyway in yeah. Span- in Spanish we get Jueves. Yeah, so Jupiter. Jue- yeah. In fact mm-hmm. Jupiter and Jueves is the the root to I believe jovial in English. It's a happy go lucky very protecting energy of Jupiter. And of course 
people know Friday is the thank God it's Friday is the date night and Freya. Freya is and Freya. Yeah, Frigga, Frigga or Freya is the date day for Friday. And in Spanish it's easy. Which planet do you think it is? Venus. Yeah. Venus. That is the day for Friday, of course. The day of love, Venus. It's, it, no, I was going to say that it's wonderful if we, we could all access this information and then we could actually align with the days. Just as basic, not even, we're not even talking about the calendar, but we're talking about every single day, like with the energy of that day, right? Absolutely. So that, that is one, in India in Indian calendar, that's one out of five different uh, techniques. There are lunar days. There are solar lunar days, but just the simple seven day of the week will have different qualities. And I, I actually believe that we we are swimming in this. Um, we align to it without knowing it, but to step up and consciously surf those energies so we don't get taken over by it. And the question from my teachers, I was like, why, why do certain cultures start their week on Sunday? Why do certain cultures start on Monday? What, who decides this? Why should a week start on a certain day? And what will be the effect? Mm -hmm. What will be the effect? So he would say, cultures that start on Sunday, and most um, modern cultures maybe start on Monday, but cultures that start on Sunday, well, they would align to the qualities of the sun, which is that life force, which is the true, you know, anchor the king in the solar system or the CEOs there's a there's a order that we can align to so spirituality illumination knowledge and these things are lifted up with the sun moon day is a beautiful mother and caring but when people are you know people go to work monday through friday and it's having them the blues of the monday so maybe their moon is not shining fully they're having a, a you know a difficult emotional day because it's back to monday it's back to the grind and they go through the week and thank God it's Friday. They get to uh, have some fun on Friday night maybe, and then they rest maybe Saturdays and it continues. One of my teachers, he actually, his tradition, they start their week on Thursday. Isn't that strange? Oh, really? Yeah, it's, it, it, mm. you know, a day for knowledge. In Sanskrit, Jupiter mm -hmm. is called Guru. So he belongs to a knowledge, a wisdom tradition. And to start the week on the day of Guru, is every cycle, every seven days, remembering we're starting and it's about knowledge. It's about the tradition, it's about the lineage, it's about following the wisdom of Guru. Thank you, Jivananda. I think uh, definitely help us, uh, gives us insight, you know, and right now that we're all in this situation also, is a, that we're not all of us, but maybe some of us are not on the day-to-day, -day, you know, work eight to five. Mm -hmm. a concept of week that we normally have been you know growing up with and opens up like another perspective just being from home and having a space or maybe time to just go on a daily basis with a bit more awareness of how we can connect with these energies and of course if, if we do the chart it's even better because we understand then where are our weak points and strengths and how we can work on different dates, you know, in different days and, yep. and yep. cycles as well. And and I wanted to tap a little bit more on the cycles because I do remember it's all mathematical and it's all like really um, calculated very precisely. But I remember that the, it, there is like a cycle understanding within Vedic astrology uh, 
and cycles that you know you change you know through your life transitions that you have through life that mark important points you know in your in your personal life you know changes so can you speak more uh, about the cycles and share with us a little bit of that please yeah um so specifically to one's individual chart and also just i mean even beyond the individual chart there is another cycle maybe i should speak about that first because even if you don't know your chart like you said it can give a connection to know these seven days but there's also the lunar cycles and old farmers or people who work by the sea they know how powerful lunar cycles are so even if you don't know your own chart just you know taking time to connect to wow the moon is starting to move upwards it's coming to a full expression wow it's starting to go downwards it's starting to go into emptiness it's letting go of the light it's coming to emptiness and then it continues and people who follow those cycles they will start to see that there is a flow in nature so even if you don't know your chart you can start to follow lunar cycles and i think very naturally when when is the time to start a new project when is it time to lift something up when is it time to fully shine and when is it time to start to let go of something maybe dissolving something and go completely into emptiness following the lunar cycles is absolutely um, a deep journey into oneself one's uh, emotions one's spirituality into nature but even deeper more precise like you're saying there's tremendous calculations um, there is the individual chart and in that chart there is that fixed time space moment so based upon birth down to even the seconds there was a fixed crystallization of the chart of one's karma and it's always unique it's like the iris it's like the dna it's like the fingerprint that unique time space moment you are coming into an a maybe there's another birth happening at the same time maybe at the same hospital but it will be separated by space or you can have twins they, they will have the same space but they will be separated by time maybe just you know two three four five minutes or even less that time separation is unique and that creates a unique chart it's the stamp we got on arrival so to speak we get that form and we carry that in this lifetime but we carried it through different timelines they're called dashas and there's different dasha systems but there are different uh, calculations and what they do is setting up different planetary cycles and some are shorter six years seven years some are longer 18 19 20 years different cycles and when i when i compare that to it's almost like different roads that we travel upon but like i said if the main chart is the character is the hero in the journey then in any epic saga there will be different books different volumes and in each volume there will be different chapters and i will even say even each, each chapter will have different pages but that's going into you know predicting day to day but what we can see is that knowing the main character and then knowing what that book is about then we can start to plan ahead no different than you know we plan for a travel we would look most likely up what's the weather going to be like now it's a prediction we don't know exactly but there are certain seasons that are quite strong and we can predict yeah it's going to get colder in that season it's going to be warmer most likely it's going to rain more in that season so looking at these cycles and 
seeing that for the next, you know, five years, next 20 years, you're running this cycle, or this is actually something that's very useful in relationship. People have been together for maybe 10 years, and then we see that one person is going to enter a six-year cycle. That's completely different. Wow, they're going to go through six years and they're going to, you know, do very different things, act very differently, things are going to come their way. And after six years, maybe they come back to a, a similar cycle. So, you know, knowing that ahead of time can be a saving a relationship because you know, the other person can give space or they can know that, yeah, this person is in a new cycle and most likely after six years, they come back to come back to a, to a more normal or a different cycle. Yeah. Sometimes just to learn about the past. Because sometimes, you know, some people have grown up in maybe a long, bumpy, rocky cycle of what we call Rahu, the North Node. And they've been bumping along maybe their whole childhood and teenage years. They get conditioned and they believe that life is like that. That life has that north node rahuvian energy and suddenly they're changing into jupiter which is a completely different frequency and maybe life has changed but they're still sitting there bumping and thinking believing that life is not to be trusted or something like that so there are uh, ways of both clarifying and resolving the past and also starting to plan ahead Astrology for me has not just been, you know, uh, mind-opening and interesting. I actually will say honestly, it has not just transformed my life; it will have. Sa- it has actually saved my life. I had chronic fatigue for many years and getting weaker and weaker, and seeing tons of, you know, anything from modern medicine to alternative to spiritual. No one was able to diagnose me. I was falling down into a drain. And it got to a point where even getting up, taking a shower was a tremendous struggle. I had um, a cycle that I went through that really put me down into no physical strength at all. And it was months and months of research, trying to figure it out uh, until I finally turned back into what I thought, like, okay, you know, there's one thing I believe in, that's astrology. And then it clicked. So I'd, I'd known my chart for so long. I had seen it many times. I have it, you know, in my head. But I picked it up again, and there was a deeper level that suddenly just clicked. And I actually self-diagnosed. It sounded the strangest, but I self-diagnosed. I even took steps to get the right treatment. And it was only afterwards that I actually got the lab results that proved that my self-diagnosis was correct. I had a certain condition mm. that had not been found. So that, that put me on a healing journey. It took me a couple of years to recover my strength. But I honestly will say that without that intuition and without the technical um, part, I don't think I would have recovered from it. Thank you for sharing your experience. It helps a lot also to hear, you know, like a, from your personal experience, how this was helpful and useful for your personal growth and for your health. So sometimes we don't even know where something comes, you know, from a lot of people, you know, we're all searching healing in different ways, you know, Reiki, reflexology, therapists, whatever that is. And I think this is another uh, tool that allows us to discover ourselves in a much deeper way and find answers sometimes to things that we don't we don't really understand you know why we behave in a certain way why we have certain tendencies why we have certain things and 
And thank you for sharing that because I think it's, um, it's, it's beautiful to hear from your own experience how you, how you were able to recognize and, and gave you light, you know, in, in your personal life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, light, um, light, this is the science of light. And, and I believe, you know, that we have used stars for navigation since the beginning of dawn, the beginning of light, beginning of time. It said, you know, in the smallest, so in the greatest, as above, so below. So this idea of looking out there to actually look inwards, to find navigation uh, internally and also in life, I believe that we still can look, look towards the stars for that. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, definitely. Definitely a nice invitation for everybody. Thank you, Jivananda. And um, I'd like you to share a little bit of what you're doing. Um, personally, taking your course right now, starting your Vedic Astrology course. Um, but I'd like uh, for the others to listen of your offerings. I mean, you also do Ayurveda. I also had the honor to have you teaching during one of us, our trainings in, in Bali. Ayurveda and um, any Ayurvedic astrology and teaching right now and uh, you teach philosophy but yoga philosophy in, in the yoga barn but can you share a little bit more of all the offerings that you have yeah I'm, I'm I'm currently based in Ubud Bali and working through yoga barn so I do see clients both in person there and also online I um, I focus mostly on the astrology but my background was um the, I mean, the way I got into astrology was through the Ayurveda. So um, I do teach that. I do mentor and guide people to uh, learn deeper about the physical health of Ayurveda. Um, the philosophy is a is a foundation. The understanding of I mean, it's not it's more than philosophy. A lot of times uh, it's hard to translate these terms, but darshana uh, darshan is a way of seeing. There are different lenses, different views. And uh, classical Indian culture has six of them that belong in the, in the Orthodox. There are many other views from Indian culture, you know, Hinduism, Buddhism, Jainism are maybe the three most common. But within Hinduism, there are many different traditions. And then there are six traditional uh, views or, you know, philosophy, we guess we can somewhat use that term. So having a, a, um, a foundation in that, that gives uh, much more deeper clarity if one is going to study Ayurveda and definitely yoga as a spiritual pathway, more than just the physical, but the, the practice of the yoga is being in the world and using the physical body, using the mind, using the energy. And the map that's given is from Sankhya, that's one of the six darshanas. So I do teach this, um, the intellectual knowledge, uh, astrology being the main passions. I do give individual consultations and uh, mentorship and also doing three-month introduction programs that are online as well. I do want to say that my, like my approach is maybe a bit more modern and like I have a Western background. So even though it's a very traditional and I strive for having that connection I do still question I am um, like I said I'm, I'm a skeptical person I want to test this out and I want to bring it into modern context maybe um, it's also needed to bridge the, the old and the new or the east and the west um, so it's a constant work in development and um,
that that passion of mine is to find how to make these you know teachings that are thousands of years old how to make it relevant to this day and age into modern context and mm-hmm. um, and having said that i don't think we have changed much i don't think human nature and our uh, foundation have actually changed that much even though we have so much technology i do believe that at the core we are still operating from the same principles we have the same needs um that are from ancient teachings thank you i think it's beautiful the work you're doing in bringing um ancient and sacred knowledge uh, to nowadays and applicable to our modern society so thank you for that and i love your classes super recommended to anybody who has the opportunity to attend them and and also your your readings so i will also be sharing your information here on the podcast so people can connect with you for that thank you i don't know if there's anything else you would like to share about the topic with the listeners anything that i missed out on asking that you consider is relevant to share right now um i guess like when people ask me about learning astrology or what it is for me it's always been about connecting to nature it's a way and i'll actually say it's been been a way for me to even develop trust in nature trust in myself who i am trusting in larger nature and i think that is something that is missing a lot in this day and age we have so much information we have access to we have access to the vedas through a smartphone right but how much have we actually mm-hmm. grown and you know that the, the level of wisdom compare that to knowledge right so there is a saying that wisdom yeah, is so knowledge yeah it's different yeah. yeah wisdom is knowledge applied and then we have this idea of uh-huh. in, information so there's so much information so many different this and that and even in even in indian jyotish vedic astrology it's a never and there are many different forms of Indian astrology there's different schools there's different tradition there's different ways of making the chart it becomes extremely complex and i think to step back down into nature as we are here on earth and to just start to observe nature to observe the seasons to start to look into lunar cycles and we can use the smartphone we can download an app that will show you the lunar cycles that will show you where the sun is and uh, beautiful you know astronomy uh, programs that you can download on your map and you can start to look out into the sky look out into the stars and just learn that there are different constellations different planets just your own connection to the night sky i think that is like uh, the yogic yeah. path the yogic pathway of direct experience starting to step into nature and observing nature and observing lunar cycles i think that is actually yogic alignment that is not just you know off the math it's connecting the world to um what is considered to be the mother moon and the father sun the, these two different energies that are up there in the sky and our connection to them and seeing how they dance around in different seasons different lunar cycles honestly i don't think we need anything else but nature the astrology and the all the math sometimes that is for particular people who have an interest in that stuff um, but i do think we all are in relationship to earth the sun and the moon and the more we recognize that and connect to that 
I think that helps us on our path. Yes, thank you so much, definitely. And it's an invitation uh, for uh, curiosity as well, right? Starting exactly. to like, you mentioned, you mentioned a lot about questioning, you know. I think it all starts with this inquiry, you know, questioning and Absolutely. observing. That, that, that is the most beautiful thing that, you know, to continue question. That's, that's sometimes we, unfortunately, we just... We, we might learn that there are seven days of the week, but do we really question what was, why there are seven days? Well, now you know there are seven days based, based upon the same seven planets, but a curious mind will continue to ask, why, 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 right? A little child that's always asking <laughs> yeah. why. The, the, the next question I want to ask to the listener is, why are the seven days in that sequence? Have you ever thought about that? Why mm. is there yes, a but sequence? I, but I don't have the answers <laughs> yet. <laughs> in, in astrology, there is a derivation for everything. So this is like the, learning the matrix of the universe and unraveling uh, these patterns. Now we see that we have seven days. It's, uh, I'm not going to go into it, but there is a reason why we actually have the order of a sun and a moon and then into Mars and so forth. There is an order to that as well. A beautiful invitation for for that. Thank you. Mm. Um, I'm very I'm very excited um, to continue the course with you to see if I could find the answer. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Shivananda. My pleasure. And uh, it's been a pleasure to talk to you. Um, I always well, I started this podcast to share insights on you know spirituality, spiritual teachings, teachings, and environmental awareness. Um, So I always ask uh, the participants uh, what they think about the concept of conscious living. How can we, by becoming conscious, help the collective? So I would love your perspective on that. Hmm. That's a great question. Conscious living. Um, Consciousness. We are listening we are sitting we are breathing we are aware of being aware we have this self-reflecting quality of beingness i am so there's a type of frequency i say like that we can host that we can hold a type of being self-aware and most of my teachers they teach that as a foundation so being in the body doing the yoga and staying connected to the breath that foundation of, hey, I'm alive, I'm, I'm in this body, wow, I'm experiencing these things, getting that anchor of one's self, of one's being, of one's consciousness into the body and holding that, I think is a, the foundation of this life. This is what we're born into. We have this vehicle of the physical body. So starting with oneself and starting with the body, starting with the breath, observing the mind, the energies, the emotions, and then um, extending that out into the environment, into the community, into the family. It's easy yes. to meditate and develop spiritual knowledge in a cave and being, you know, uh, so connected to one's own spiritual life, but how consciously awake can we be in the family environment mm, for, totally. yeah for me the the pathway of astrology is to extend that out even further of um, being conscious of different time space cycles um, that is like i said it actually gives me a type of anchor and a security in life 
So conscious living, that comes from the spiritual tradition and they have beautiful teaching, Dharma, Artha, Karma, Moksha, the foundations of following one's path and consciously having the, you know, the livelihood, the resources and having healthy enjoyment and having spirituality. Those were foundational cornerstones. Consciously in this day and age, I think um, the Balinese Hindu Agama tradition, they have a beautiful harmony teaching about Trihita Karana, the, the harmony between human to human. And yes, human, yes. Yeah. And the, and the community and the, yeah, the family dynamic and these things that um, maybe the Western individual lifestyle have a bit of problem with. Then the other one is harmony between human and nature. And then we have harmony between human and we can call it the gods or the higher principles, the higher forces of uh, nature. So conscious living to recognize that we are humans, we have consciousness, we are part of this world, we are part of community, we're part of nature. In fact, we are nature. We are nature expressing. And to align to that, uh, like, like I said, for me, the personal pathway is this um, astrology and cosmos. Cosmos is a beautiful term that actually means that there is order in the universe. It's not just chaos. There is actually a structure and an order and aligning to that natural law, natural principles, natural order, uh, dharma, and to um, consciously step on that path uh, is what I consider to be conscious living. Thank you. Thank you so much for that message. And my last question, um, given the, the current situation right now, I would love if you could share with us um, the most important message like you consider humanity needs to hear right now. So where astrology can help us that there was certain cycles that has been going on, especially 2019. It was bringing in a deeper and deeper, it's like pressing deeper and deeper down. And then there was an eclipse, December 26, 2019, that really made a turning point. It's almost like pressure that I was comparing it. I was telling people that it's almost like, you know, can you imagine carbon being pressed and squeezed and squeezed and squeezed until it structurally changes? So maybe I was a bit, you know, optimistic and naive. I thought it was going to be a structural change of darkness, of heavy, of this mm -hmm. shadow of carbon and ideally coming into a diamond shape. And then I said, and then it's changing and it goes forward, especially third week of January, it's moving forward. So that's based upon astrology and especially Saturn moving into a new sign and these things. But anyway, the, the current cycle we're in, what it did bring was very deep, dark uh, shadow, and I didn't predict a virus. I didn't predict uh, such a global event. And in retrospect, it's easier to see how deep and dark it actually was. But technically, we have moved out of it. We have seen this darkness. That's, how, that's what I was saying, is that we will all get in touch with this very difficult darkness, uh, shock, a trauma, fear is going to be really a big part of a release that's coming. So this cycle 
moved forward and it's almost like like, like what I said early 2019 I said to people it's not easy it's like this shadow has to be seen and recognized and I thought it was going to be a bit more political and environmental and it I mean it is environmental and it is political I didn't predict the specifics of a virus but what I, t- what I told people and I still say is that it's we all have to get to work we all have to roll up our sleeves and get going Interesting enough, we're all shut down. I, I thought it was going to be more like we're going to, we're going to have to go out into the world <laughs> and take action, but yeah. we all are pushed inwards now. So it's almost like okay, so we all got to roll up our sleeves and get to work on ourselves. We all have to clean up our homes, our own mind, our own emotions. We all have to look at ourselves very deeply. We're almost like you know we're pushed into retreat and isolation and we have to deal with ourselves and our routines and our habits and our patterns so maybe that's the first level again conscious living is about well we have a body we have a mind we have emotions that seems to be what this current cycle has really you know pretty hardcore pushed us into that role i do believe it's starting to move i do believe that in a few more months it's starting to release there's uh, been a few changes that is already removing some of the fear i do believe it's slow and steady and it might be seasonal there might be some difficulty again end of the year but regardless we had a shock we had a very very powerful eclipse that took place that end of december and that was initiating the whole world into a trauma into a shock and um, sometimes we need a bit of shock to wake up that's the downside of this is yes if we're not yes. in alignment the balance of you know, darkness and light exactly so if we're not fully in you know prepared or we don't have the sensitivity and this Unfortunately, this is saying that it's better to align to nature before nature aligns us. So again, learning to surf those waves that are coming instead of it being a tsunami that we're trying to fight against, we can learn to catch that wave and to trust it and to surf it. And I believe that wave was extremely powerful, but I do believe it's starting to slow down a bit. Um, I do believe we all have individual lessons to learn. So. I'm a bit reluctant to say there's this global awakening and this and that. I I see a lot of um, beauty in people wanting to aspire to that, but at the same time, reality is pretty difficult this day and age. Um, there is quite a bit of suffering in this world, and maybe this opportunity is to actually get in touch with that as the buddhist teaching is that the first noble truth is there is suffering there is difficulty and there is shadow there is darkness and maybe this has been a wake-up call for many people to see that wow the the fragile nature of that a small unseen virus can cause so much difficulty that the psychological impact that the government there is quite a lot of things that we have to clean up and maybe we're forced to look at ourselves our physical our emotional our psychological our spiritual and then our environment starting with our own home starting with our own family and then ideally we extend that out into again i do believe the message for the next few years is that 
we have to roll up our sleeves and get to work. We have to start to take action, to be of service, to be in alignment to each other, to be in alignment with the world. And uh, we all have a place to, we, we are all part of this. We all have a place and to trust that we are, you know, capable, that we have capacity, that we are here for a purpose. And again, I do believe um, introspection, connection to nature, finding one's own path is part of that. And um, my personal one is definitely astrology, but we all have individual paths and all a role to play in that. Thank you. I think it's a great invitation for us to reconnect with our own personal gifts and passions and mm-hmm. and and insight. And then, like you said it beautifully, and start sharing you know that bhakti path of sharing and being in service in service to others so thank you so much for that it can be as simple all of that can be as simple as finding something that you love doing and just keep on doing it exactly (laughs) very good (laughs) thank you so much it's been a pleasure to to speak with you and have this conversation with you um I'll be sharing all your details and thank you again for your time, for your energy and for the beautiful work you're doing and everywhere. So I'm delighted to have this conversation today with you. Thank you so much. Absolutely. My pleasure to talk about this. It is my pleasure. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. I hope hope to return soon and uh, see you there back in Bali. Yep. (laughs) And for the listeners, thank you so much for sharing and I'll be posting more podcasts really soon. Thank you for your time. I hope you enjoy this conversation. Bye-bye.